Once upon a time, there was a, a monk who had studied for quite a long time with a teacher and was ready to leave, to go out on his own and teach. But before he left his teacher, he had a private meeting, Dokusan, we call it, and he indicated to his teacher that though he learned a lot from him, he felt that there was still something that his teacher was withholding, that there was something that his teacher knew that he has, did not reveal to him, some kind of secret, uh, secret teaching that uh, was being held back. His teacher uh, assured him that there was nothing held back, that he gave him the very best that he could. Um, but the student was insistent that there was there was something that maybe even the teacher didn't know that he was had not shared with with the student and and the student was absolutely um, uh, red toothed about his insistence that the teacher had something that he wasn't uh, imparting to the student well finally the Zen teacher said, okay, you, you've, you've got me. Um, and there is, there is something. And of course they had to take their trip up the mountain to have this secret teaching revealed. And so they made the trek up the mountain and the Zen master said, well, have a seat on this rock and I will reveal the secret teaching to you. And the student was very, uh, very excited and knew that there was something that, uh, that he was missing, that he finally was going to learn. And the Zen teacher lifted his robes up all the way up to his chest and bent over, showing his rear end to the student. And on the rear end were calluses. Pointing to these calluses, the teacher said, this is the secret. Put his robes down and they both descended the mountain never heard another word from the student. Maybe at that moment, he learned the most important lesson. So I introduced that story to help us understand that there is nothing hidden about this way, this teaching these teachings. There is no secret teaching 
it's really all very simple and obvious. All things express their true nature and they express it with great abandon. <laughs> so there is nothing to be hidden, nothing to be discovered that is hidden. It just takes our eyes, our ears, our nose, our tongue, our body mind to see it, to hear it, to taste it, to smell it. <laughs> Nothing we have to uncover that takes a lot of effort. No, it's all very obvious. So Dogen, who is the founder of our Soto Zen style of practice, says the following. Water, birds, trees, groves, all without exception, recite the Buddha's name. Recite the Dharma. Because earth, grass, trees, walls, tiles, and pebbles in the world of phenomena, in the 10 directions, they all engage in Buddha activity. Even pebbles, even those little pebbles in my bonsai, even that little piece of moss on that little rock is reciting the name of Buddha. So all things engage in naming Buddha. Another way of putting this is that all things preach the Dharma. All things. You don't have to go to books, podcasts, or even a teacher to hear the teachings. You can hear the name of Buddha in a pebble, but you've got to have the ears <laughs> to hear it. So all things being just what they are, giving of themselves 100%, the tree being tree, Jack being Jack, everything just dogs being dogs, pebbles being pebbles. These are all recitations of the Buddha's name. This is energy. Virya, virya. Sometimes translated as energy, sometimes translated as effort, sometimes translated as enthusiasm. I love, I love these names that have no fixed meaning. 
because they allow us, they create creativity and imagination and going back to our own experience to try to have an insight into what they might mean. There's no fixed definition of these things. They're just fingers pointing to our direct experience. So the energy of life, all things being, being who and what they are, are energetically participating in the Buddha field, in being just what they are. And we have, just as a pebble has pebbleness, pebble energy, which is always changing, by the way, and we just call it pebble for convenience sake. Without energy, there would be no impermanence. There would no, no be no opportunity for growth. So virya is a life force. It's the force of change. It's the energy of change. And for us as humans, one of the manifestations of that energy is what we call in Zen, way-seeking mind. This is very, um, very profound. And it kind of makes me emotional <laughs> because the deepest the deepest form in a way of our being human is that we have this way-seeking mind. It's not created. We don't will it into existence. It's, it's just there. Do you remember a moment when you started searching? when you actually entered this way, it just happens. It arises. Why? Because we're human. And as human, we search, we search. We, we have what is called bodhicitta, way-seeking mind. We're on a journey. And, the, and, and in fact, Zen is called the way of liberation. We seek full realization. It's just our nature. It's, it's what we, who we are as humans, just as pebbles do what pebbles do and um, trees do what trees do and the wind does what the wind does. We are Buddhas. We seek it's not a destination, it's a way. And so there is, if there's any destination, it is the way, <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the journey. So we call it the way of liberation. And it's constant. There's no point at which we reach the end. The end is every step, as Thich Nhat Hanh says about Kinhin, every step 
is an arrival. Every moment is the destination. So there's the energy, the energy that is all around us in the, in the changing of life. In life itself is energetic. So where does effort come in? There is an element beyond energy, which effort has, that in a way energy doesn't have. And that is a kind of intention, an act of will, when we make effort. We make effort. We, there isn't, there is an act of will involved. And what is that act of will? In early Buddhist teaching, the act of finding liberation or realizing one's humanity was described as an effort at actualizing the Buddha that was potential in us. That Buddha nature was seen as something that everyone has as a potential. And it was our effort to sit and to practice in order to realize that potential. Sometimes it was described as a diamond in the rough. So our Buddha nature is a diamond, but it's covered over by dirt and other, other debris. And we have to chip away at all of that covering in order to find the diamond. Or sometimes uh, it was described as a Buddhist, a golden Buddha statue, which was covered in plaster. And after the plaster was chipped away, you found the gold of the Buddha, this golden Buddha statue. That was early Buddhist teaching. So effort was involved in chipping away at all the covering that that hid, that hid our true nature. But in Mahayana tradition, which is our tradition, there's no covering, nothing's hidden. Right? It's a wholeness, it's inclusive, so that there is no Chipping, there's no chipping away that needs to be done. We just take the whole thing, <laughs> you know, the whole thing, completely inclusive. There's no duality between our mundane self, all that junk that is covering, supposedly covering this hidden nature, and this, this golden thing that's inside of us somewhere. It's all of it. 
So sitting, sitting meditation is actually the perhaps the most effective way to manifest this wholeness, this Buddha nature. That's why Dogen often says, practice and enlightenment are one, no distinction. When you practice, we could say that you come to the place where the plaster and the gold meet. When you practice, you come to the place where the diamond and the dirt meet. No, no discrimination. When you sit and you practice sufficiently long enough and make that effort, that there's the effort just to sit down and be genuine be your whole being, be the plaster and the gold, the dirt and the diamond. Be where those meet and there is no distinction. You're whole, you're completely whole. So effort, this is the effort of no effort, of course, we send. What's the effort? Sit down. Relax. Be yourself. Be authentic. Be whatever the moment demands of you. Give yourself wholeheartedly. How difficult could that be? It's, it demands some effort, some effort, some intention. So sometimes I hear a lot um, from practitioners and from myself. The effort is really about stopping not so much about trying to achieve more, to learn more, to be more ambitious, to, as, as we saw about that last week about patience, to be so focused on the goal and to work so hard. The effort is really not to work so hard. To sit down. It's kind of like trying to stop an unstoppable train. This. Inertia just sweeps us, sweeps us, sweeps us along. The mind, the mind, this wonderful mind, good for certain things but makes us suffer in so many ways. So just stop. It's like 
trying to stop an unstoppable train. That's where the effort is. It's not to do more, to learn more. It's to do less, to learn less, to just become quiet and still and sit at that seam, that seamless seam of plaster and gold, diamond and dirt. So enthusiasm. You know, we do nothing alone. So our effort is not our effort. And I want to go to back to the gardening discussions we've been having and talk about the tomato, the tomato seed. I hope everybody's tomatoes are doing well. But if you, if you really pay attention to what happens when you put a seed into the ground, this tiny little nothing, and you put it into the ground and it grows into this amazing um, tomato plant with these luscious fruits. And you ask, how did that happen? That that's, that's amazing. This is like this tiny little thing. And it, I notice this in the spring when daffodils come up and snow and the snowdrops come up through a layer of matted leaves and wet debris. And then suddenly there's this little, there's a little sprout that's come up through this packed layer of wet debris. Now, that daffodil didn't do that on its own. <laughs> you know, that tomato seed did not push up out of the earth on its own, producing those luscious tomatoes. The entire universe, <laughs> the energy of the entire universe made that happen. Similarly, I mean, you, you, you know, that's why I say you don't have to read a book about this, about virya. <laughs> just, just open your eyes and watch a tomato plant grow. Watch an apple fall from a tree and become compost and give rise to other plants. You know, just watch. Everything preaches the Dharma. Everything. Everything has this energy, this effort, but it's 
everything that arises arises out of the entire universe of energy it cannot do it by itself nor can you nor can i nor can any of us that is really what we mean by sangha sangha it's <laughs> why it's a jewel bizarre small sangha is only a tomato seed connected with the entire sangha of our universe and so when we begin to feel that energy of support that we have from every being pebbles walls trees lamps birds worms when we can feel that energy and that effort in life the life force who wouldn't be enthusiastic wow i'm part of this i'm part of this amazing amazing life force that spreads throughout the universe i'm supported my very being is a manifestation of the entire universe keeping me alive keeping me active keeping me joyful keeping me practicing being human we we're not human without everything right without everything supporting us just as that daffodil is supporting is being supported by everything else can't do it alone but yet uh, we we are part of it part of the vast energy of life and so man how exciting is that so this is our way this is the way of liberation and it's really good for nothing sometimes people say well what what is zen what is this practice good for it's good for nothing except life <laughs> you know so how, how do we address it how do we approach it we just jump in we just jump onto the way jump on your bicycle and ride <laughs> jump into the practice and just ride ride with great enthusiasm because you're riding with the entire universe thank you so